In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning once again. Uh, This week, Mindy and Daphne and I, my uh, wife and daughter, we went to the Central Florida Zoo. We saw all the exhibits. Uh, It was somewhere awesome, somewhere a little disappointing because the animals were sleeping. At the end of the, the last exhibit, Mindy leans over to Daphne and says, You know, God made all the animals really good at two things, Daphne, playing and sleeping. Playing and sleeping. Doesn't that sound wonderful? As humans, though, we're not very good at resting, are we? Are you good at resting? I'm not good at resting. Uh, We think of rest as what? Vacation, maybe? Now, vacation for me is sort of like this. I exhaust myself in planning the vacation. Then I feel guilty while I'm on vacation. And then I need a vacation after vacation to recoup, right? So vacation is not really restful for Josh. Maybe it is for you. What, maybe, maybe rest for, for you is laying around, like not doing any work, eating, Netflixing, whatever it is. Um, but not for me. I get bored. I get restless if I just stop doing something. Maybe it's, oh, here's a good one. Rest is church. Rest is Sabbath, Right? That's what this is supposed to be, isn't it? It's a Sabbath day. We're at worship. Of course, you have to fight yourself to get out of bed on Sunday morning and not go to Bedside Baptist. Then you have to fight with your spouse on the way to church about something that you get in a tiffin about. Then you have to fight with your two-year-old just to wear pants to church or something, something like that. So it's probably not restful, I'm guessing. Now, as a priest, it's, I can't say that it's always restful to be at church. So what in the world, friends, does it mean to rest? What does it mean to rest? Today we have two passages. The lectionary gives us two readings from uh, both sides of the scriptures, the, near the beginning of the Bible and at the end of the Bible, and at the risk of stating the obvious, That's important. It's important because the idea of rest, or the word in the scriptures is Sabbath, Sabbath rest, this idea spans the whole story of the Bible. That's that's why we find it at the beginning, at the end, and all through the middle. Rest, Sabbath, you could almost say is synonymous with salvation. One way to think about what God is doing in your heart and in our world is he is bringing Sabbath rest. So what is rest? What is Sabbath rest? From both scripture readings, let me give you the answer in a sentence. And this will be our theme for today. Sabbath rest is not just a vacation. It's not a list of do's and don'ts like do this on the Sabbath, but don't do that on the Sabbath. Sabbath rest for Christians is a way of life. Sabbath rest is a way of life. Sabbath rest is not a place we go. It's not an activity that we dip into or dip out of. It is a reality that we live in every single day. We are Sabbath people because we worship the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Rest is who we are. Now, where do we see this in our text? We see it two places. First, we'll look at the Old Testament, then the Gospel reading. And here's what we see, starting with the Old Testament. Take your scripture inserts, if you will. Follow along with me. We'll get into the text just briefly. Sabbath rest is a way of life for Christians first from Deuteronomy 5 because God commanded it. It's a way of life for us because God commanded it. Now, remember, commands, that word does not have a great connotation for us uh, in, in today's world, but commands for Israel and for us from the scriptures, they, they're not meant to make us miserable. In fact, they do the opposite. They bring us life. Remember, we studied this a, a few months back. God's commands are life-giving because he's written his word, his commands, into the very fabric of creation. And to obey God is to live in the grain of creation itself. Otherwise, to disobey God, to go against his commands, is not only death, it's working yourself against all of creation. All of creation is working against you to disobey God. God's commands are life Giving, They bring us life. And in this case, the command to rest, to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, it brings us rest. That part of life. Let me give you three ways from Deuteronomy 5 that the command to keep the Sabbath was life-giving to Israel and should be life-giving to us. All right? Here they are. First, keeping the Sabbath day as a command of God reminded Israel that God had not only created the world in the past, but he had rescued them from Egypt in the past. Where do we see this in Deuteronomy 5? Look at the text. Observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Six days, but the seventh day... Where, would it, where, where does this come from? You know the answer to this. Where does this come from? Genesis, Right? This is what God did. Six days he created the world. On the seventh he what? Rested. So every time Israel kept this commandment, they were reminding themselves in a life-giving way that their God, the God they worshipped, the God who told them to observe the Sabbath, made everything there is. Skip down to the end of the passage. Starting at the word remember, this is part of the command. Remember, Israel, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God did what? Brought you out from there with a mighty hand. God is not only the maker of all things, and they were going to remember this every time they kept the commandment, but they would also remember on the Sabbath that they had been saved. They had been rescued as a people. So every time they observed this commandment, it gave them life. It reminded them the God of life himself, and it reminded them that God brought them back to life out of Egypt. Here's the second way. Here's the second way it was life-giving for Israel. It not only reminded them the past, it restored them in the present. Here's the part of the text I want you to see. You shall not do any work. You see that? Not just you, though. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock. Nobody. Nobody does work on the Sabbath. This was life-giving for all of the obvious reasons. Because you weren't working. You were resting. You were doing what all of the animals in the Central Florida Zoo were doing. You were resting. 
Notice it's not just for Israel. It's for everybody around them, associated with them. Everybody gets a break. So in the present moment, they were given life by observing this commandment. They were also given life by remembering what God had done in the past. And here's the third way they were given life. Because it pointed them to a future Sabbath rest. Every week, once a week, there was a pause in the Israel's community life as they remembered that one day God was going to liberate them from all of their enemies through the Messiah, and he would bring the final rest. We don't see this explicitly in our Deuteronomy passage, but elsewhere in the Old Testament story, we read about what's called a Sabbath year. There wasn't just a Sabbath day, there was a Sabbath year called the Jubilee year. And Israel observed this to the point, in a way that pointed them to a time in the future when their Messiah would come and give final victory. The kingdom of God would be on earth. So, the Sabbath was commanded not to make people miserable, miserable, but to bring them life. To bring them life. It's so much deeper than a vacation or a list of do's and don'ts. It's meant to bring you life. Okay, now let's transition to the gospel. By the time of this reading, when Jesus is having this conflict with Pharisees, by, the time, by this time in history, God's law had been what's the word, misconstrued. God's law had, had begun, it, it seemed like God's law uh, was making people miserable. They were too caught up in the list of do's and don'ts. They had misunderstood the intent of the law, which was to bring them life. And so Jesus comes back now with these two gospel stories, and he reminds them of the original intent of God's law. It causes lots of controversy. It causes lots of controversy. Look at the passage. Notice how the question that the Pharisees ask is this. Why are the disciples doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? This is the question that undergirds the controversy in both of these gospel stories of healing or doing work on the Sabbath. Later on, when the man stretches out his hand, again, it's the same idea. How is this possible? This is not supposed to happen. If you're observing the Sabbath, you can't do that. What's different then? What has changed from Deuteronomy to Mark, right? In the Bible story. Let me tell you what's changed. The Lord of the Sabbath has come to interpret the law of the Sabbath. You see, God's command to keep the Sabbath was not just a command from him. It was a completion by him through Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfills the law, right? He doesn't come to do away with the Sabbath. He comes to interpret it. And and here's his interpretation. It's me. Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, is our rest personified. That means that that, uh, what Jesus says about the Sabbath goes. So let's interpret the three ways that Israel found life in God's command. We find it in Jesus. Let's reinterpret it for us. Think about it. When we keep the Sabbath, we come to worship Jesus, and he is the one, we're reminded, who is not only the firstborn of all creation, but the one who rescued us out of slavery from Egypt. Every time we keep the Sabbath, we're reminded of that, and we're given life. 
We have found life in the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's the second thing. Just like Israel, we are restored in the present. We have a really tangible way of uh, imaging this every Sunday when we eat together the body and blood of Jesus. We are nourished in the present moment. So we're restored. We're reminded of the past, what Jesus has done. We're restored in the present. And then, again, with the banquet, with eating at his table every Sunday, we're pointed to the future. That one day, as the book of Hebrews talks about, we will have a final rest. So the Sabbath brings us life, not only because God commands it, but then because God completes it in Jesus Christ. The Sabbath rest, commanded and completed, it's our way of life. It's our way of life. Let me ask you, what aspect of the Sabbath do you need today? I promise you this. You may want a vacation. You might need a vacation in some ways. But the Sabbath rest that we have a chance to partake in every Sunday is so much deeper. It's so much deeper. It's better than a vacation. It's better than watching Netflix. It feeds your soul, not just your body. This is Sabbath rest, and it's a reality that we live in. So Sabbath rest is an everyday thing. Sabbath rest doesn't stop when we leave the Sabbath day or the Sabbath place. We take Sabbath with us because we take Jesus with us. So every day we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Every day we're nourished by Jesus and his word. Every day we're carried by the hope that one day God will bring us final rest. God commanded the Sabbath. Jesus completed the Sabbath. We're going to close with a song. You'll find the lyrics printed in your bulletin. This is a poem, a hymn text, written by uh, Marva Dawn, a sweet old Lutheran lady, a great author. Something else that Sabbath people do is we sing. We sing. We're going to sing about Sabbath rest. I love how Marva Dawn puts this. Come then, children, with your burdens. Verse 3. Life's confusions, fears, and pain. Leave them at the cross of Jesus. That is to say, don't try to avoid them by going on vacation or by drowning them in drink or Netflix movies. Leave them at the cross of Jesus and take instead his kingdom's reign. We are Sabbath people. Sabbath rest is the reality in which we live. We're going to sing this hymn to the tune of Come Thou Fount. We're going to sing it as Dean Kidd says, acapoco. That means acapella, without music, all right? I'll leave you with this. Come away from rush and hurry to the stillness of God's peace. From our vain ambitions worry, come to Christ to find re-